How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, all right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're going to be talking about three ways to get rid of anxiety. And for all of our Shit You Don't Learn in College fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of the new number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, available now. Now let's get after it. So uh, according to a recent poll that was done by Gallup, this was like end of 2020, uh, great time to do this, and around the time of COVID, uh, over one third of people in the U.S. experienced chronic anxiety. Now, this would be defined as people that actually uh, uh, had a chronic issue. Not, you know, uh, obviously everybody goes through states of anxiety and stress and pressure and all of those things. Now, personally, I think everybody goes through states of anxiety and states of chronic stress and things like that. But there's one third of people in the U.S. that have actually uh, admitted it and, you know, admitted that they need help for it. So it's probably much higher than that. And I would also say that number is even more if you're an entrepreneur, because if you're an entrepreneur, you know better than anybody that you're pushing yourself and holding yourself to different standards and you're always stressing about random different shit. So the first thing that I want to, uh, everybody to understand is that if you have anxiety or some form of, uh, uh, stress or anxiety like that, you're not alone. In fact, majority of people have something like this and not everybody's willing to admit it. Um, now the first thing that I want everybody to understand is there's a difference between, uh, what's referred to as stress and, uh, worry and anxiety. There is actually a difference here. So, uh, the first thing that I'll ask you is, do you think that stress is bad? Do you think that stress is bad? Now, when I ask this to, to our clients very regularly, a high majority of the people in the room will raise their hand and go, yeah, you know, we know stress is bad. Stress kills, right? And if you haven't seen it, there's actually a TED Talk by Dr. Kelly, Kelly McGonigal from 2015. Um, she was a professor at Stanford, and she, uh, she was one of the people that was the biggest proponents of uh, stress killing. And what they actually found, they did a study a few years ago uh, that uh, went across eight years. And what they did is they asked 60,000 people, they asked 60,000 people what, uh, whether they lived a high-stress lifestyle and then they asked them if they thought stress was bad for them. And then over the course of eight years, they measured who died. Yeah, I know. Um, so what they found, what they found during this study, during this eight-year-long 60,000-person study, was that if you lived a high-stress lifestyle, you were actually uh, something like 45% more likely to die. If and only if you believed that stress was bad for you. If you believed that stress was good for you, you were actually 9% less likely to die. 
So what they found was there's actually a difference between stress and what you know I refer to as worry or anxiety, right? So stress is actually a necessary part of life. If you think about it, right? If you want to grow in any way, shape, or form, you have to put stress on something. So if you go to the gym, you want bigger biceps, you have to stress the muscle for it to grow. If you want to expand yourself mentally, you have to stress and strain your mental your mental capacity. You have to challenge yourself. You have to push yourself. So physically, you have to stress yourself. Mentally, you have to stress yourself. Emotionally, you have to stretch and stress yourself. Right. So stress by itself is actually not bad. What actually causes the causes the negative hormonal aspect of it is a state of chronic worry or a state of chronic anxiety. So worry is very different than stress. So this is the first thing that I want everybody to understand. It's actually not, we shouldn't be running away from stress, but we should be figuring out why we are so worried and what we are worrying about and what our actual anxieties are about. And I'm gonna give you some tools today to help overcome that specifically. But before we do, I want you to understand physiologically what's going on in your body now your body has a uh i call it a a, a stress cup if you will or an anxiety cup and if you think you're you know, think about it your central nervous system can handle uh, a certain amount of given stress or emotion uh at any certain point in time and if it's like this cup that you have think of like a coffee mug right now all the stress coming into this or all the 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 um stressors in your life go into this same cup so for example, if you have stuff going on in your personal life, that goes into this cup. If you have stuff going on with your family, that goes into your cup. If you're not eating well, that goes into the cup. If you're not sleeping well, that goes into the cup. If you're not drinking enough water, that goes into the cup. If you're drinking too much alcohol, that goes into the cup, right? If you're having troubles with the business, that goes into the cup. So everything goes into this same cup. And because we have this fixed amount of stress or anxiety that we can handle or worry that we can handle in a, in a given point in time, as soon as that cup starts to overflow, we start to have, you know, uh, what, what's what I refer to as overwhelm, right? We have too much stress. We have too much anxiety. We have too much going on. And we feel like we're about to burst or explode or about to break because our cup is overflowing. So what I want you to understand is if stress is actually a good thing, right? Stress helps you grow. And we all want to accomplish more, right? If you, if you want to have a better life, you want more money, you want more meaning, you want more impact, you want better relationships, then you shouldn't be running from stress. In fact, you should want more stress. You would just want the capability of handling more stress without your stress cup overflowing because that's what creates worry and anxiety, right? So what I want to teach you today is a handful of tools, a handful of ways to look at this uh, so that you can handle more stress in your life. As entrepreneurs, we know the goal is to grow and, and we got to be able to handle the stress. It's not about not having stress. It's about being able to handle the stress so we can learn and grow and become more and become better. Right? So I'm going to give you a couple of tools so that we can grow your cup bigger so that you can handle more stress in this stress cup and also learn how to empty this cup out regularly so that the cup is empty. So when you pour more stress in, you're better off. So I break this up into basically three ways of looking at it. Short-term, medium-term, and permanent. Yes, that's right. Short-term, medium-term, and permanent. So there's a handful of short-term tools that you can use to help overcome stress and anxiety in the very near term, on a day-to-day -day basis, or in the moment of an overwhelming situation, right? And the three things that I've used and my clients use the most are breathwork, cold therapy, and what I refer to as the emotional dump. Um, now, breathwork, if you haven't looked into it, pretty straightforward. Um, you can look into Wim Hof breath, breathwork, uh, or a good friend of mine, Samantha Skelly, runs a company called Pause Breathwork. Um, so your breath is the only organ in your body 
that is part unconscious and part conscious, right? Like you don't think about breathing all the time, but you can actually take over consciousness of your breath. Um, when you study this in Eastern philosophy, the breath is the deeper connection between the conscious and subconscious. And there's forms of breath work that you can take to either energize your body. For example, there's forms of breath work that I use when I'm at the gym in order to energize my body and get the best out of a workout. And there's forms of breath work that you can use to de-excite the nervous system. Take your body from a, plate, uh, a place of uh, parasympathetic to sympathetic or sympathetic to parasympathetic so that you go from uh, that excite or fight or flight back into the rest or digest uh, state of your body. Now, you know the, the real problem that we talk about when we're talking about chronic, chronic illness is when your body is in a constant state of fight or flight. Your body thinks you're constantly uh, fighting you know, a saber-toothed tiger or a short-nosed bear. You're constantly in a state of survival when the reality is you're not. And breath work is a great way for you to start to regulate your hormones and regulate your body in which state of your sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system you are in. So the first thing I always tell people to do is look into breath work. Wim Hof is great. Uh, pause breath work. Samantha Skelly is phenomenal as well. And cold therapy. Uh, so a lot of you guys have heard me talk about doing cold plunges. So um, I do a cold plunge every single day. Um, and one of the things that that does is it teaches your body, it teaches your central nervous system what is actual fight or flight. Now, when you jump into freezing cold water every single day, your body goes into immediate fight or flight, right? It thinks it's going to die because if you stay in that cold water long enough, it will actually kill you, right? So what that does is it teaches your, teaches your central nervous system and your body what actual fight or flight is. And then when you get out of it, you know, everything else that's going on in your day seems a little bit easier, because you threw yourself into freezing cold water every single day. Your body knows what actual fight or flight is. So your body stops responding with a chronic fight or flight uh, hormonal situation. And this can actually help you handle more stress long-term. Now, the third thing that I do for uh, short-term uh, anxiety or overwhelm or stress release is something that I call the emotional dump. Now, what most people don't realize is that uh, a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety is caused by undealt with emotions that compound. So um, everybody's kind of taught, or not everybody, most people are taught that, you know, our emotions are, uh, you know, emotions are weak, our emotions are unhelpful, um, negative emotions are bad. You know, if you believe in the, if you believe in the, the law of attraction, you know, law of attraction says focus on the positive. So if you have negative emotions, you're like, oh, I don't want to focus on any of those negative emotions because I'm going to bring more negative into my world. Well, the reality is what you resist persists. So scientifically proven over the course of centuries, there's, there's centuries of, of studies in psychology and psychiatry around the only way to actually move through an emotion is to move through the emotion. You actually have to sit in the emotion, right? So most people avoid the emotion. They run away. So what happens, the way that I explain this to people is, uh, have you ever had an anxiety or a negative thought that has come up repeatedly? over the course of a day or multiple days. If you have, then that's because that is an undealt with emotion. You have not actually dealt with the emotion. And what's going on is your subconscious is 95% of your brain and your consciousness is only 5% of your brain. So what's going on is that thought, that negative thought like, oh, you know, I'm gonna fail at this or this is gonna happen or something like that comes up. And the 5% of you goes, nope, put that thought away. I don't wanna think it because then I'm gonna bring it into my reality. So you turn off your consciousness to that negative thought or that negative emotion. Well, your consciousness is only 5% of your brain. So where does that thought or that negative emotion go, that fear? It just goes down into the subconscious and marinates in the 95% of your brain, causing your central nervous system to be heightened. And it's constantly marinating on it. And even though in your, in your conscious, la-da-da, I'm fine, your subconscious is marinating on it, stirring in it, stewing in this crappy emotion. 
So this, a lot of the anxiety that's created by people is simply from undealt with emotions that have compounded over the course of weeks, years, even decades for some people of undealt with emotions, because that's how society teaches us. They, you know, they basically tell you don't feel shit. Right. And so I teach my clients something called the, the emotional dump. And it's, it's essentially a self-therapy technique so that you don't have to go complain to a talk therapist. And I just take out a notepad or a piece of paper, or an iPad, and I literally just journal out all my negative emotions. And I try, I purposefully try and get as negative as humanly possible. Like I will sit there and journal out all my negative shit because it's better to get it out of my head and onto a piece of paper so that it no longer has hold on my subconscious mind. And when you actually do this, you will find instead of having these recurring thoughts that keep popping up and you're trying to avoid them and you're trying to avoid them, just journal it out. What's, you know, what's your biggest fear? Oh, well, what if, what if I can't make rent this month? Cause your business is doing this. And what if, what if you fail this client? What if you just write it out? Like, this is what would happen if I failed. This is, you know, everybody would make fun of me and I would feel like a failure and I'd have to go back to a nine to five and my, my parents wouldn't love me again. And my wife would, would not want to be with me because I'm not man enough. Or my husband wouldn't want to be with me because of blah, 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 blah. Journal out all the most negative shit that you possibly can. And don't be afraid to feel it. This is really hard for a lot of people. Now, when I have my clients do this, the first time they do this, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying to do this emotional dump and get all of these negative emotions, these negative thoughts out of your head. But think of it like an emotional dump, right? If you didn't take a shit for a day, two days, three days, a week, like you'd be incredibly uncomfortable and incredibly constipated and it would not be good for your health. Well, it's the same thing with your emotions. If you don't take an emotional dump, if you don't get this stuff out of your head, you're going to get backed up and it's literally going to pre prevent you from being able to function like a normal human being. So the first time it's incredibly scary when they do this emotional dump, but by the end of it, they feel lighter. They go, oh my God, I can't believe I got all of that off of my chest. And then they're able to actually behave like a normal human being for a day or maybe two days. And then they got to go do another emotional dump, just like taking an actual shit. You can't just shit once and then you're going to go. You got to keep doing it. You have to get these emotions out of your head. So short term, those are the three things that I suggest to everybody to uh, really focus on when it comes to overcoming anxiety and worry. Breath work, cold therapy, uh, cold showers work just as well if you do not have uh, a cold plunge, and then the emotional dump. Now, number two is what I refer to as the medium to long term. And, and this is where, uh, truthfully, the most powerful thing that I've found for this is meditation, specifically transcendental meditation or Vedic meditation. I do Vedic meditation. Transcendental meditation is the same thing. It's 20 minutes twice a day. Uh, and it's like industrial strength stress release. Now, you know, uh, these 20 minute sessions, you know, everybody thinks these 20 minute sessions are uh, supposed to be, you know, I'm, I'm meditating on OM and I'm in an enlightened state. And I'm seeing all these bright lights and it's you know, beautiful. But the reality is when you're going through a lot of, of stressors and things going on in your life, these meditations could be incredibly thought filled and worry filled. And the truth is, and I learned this from my meditation teacher, is our body responds the same way when we're taking on stress as it does when we're releasing stress. So as we release stress in these meditations, um, you, you can oftentimes feel really anxious and really nervous. And my, my mind is racing and I feel really shitty and I don't enjoy these meditations at all. But I don't do these 20-minute meditations to enjoy the meditation. I do these 20-minute meditations. So the other 23 hours and 20 minutes of my day, I'm operating at the highest level. So meditation, transcendental meditation or Vedic meditation, are, are one of the most powerful things that I've found, e, you know, even if you're just getting into the Calm app or Headspace app, you know, the truth is think about how much neural input we have today. Like how much stimulus we have, how much stimulus do we have today versus 
even 10 years ago. Now think back 50 years, how much more stimulus we have today with laptops and social media and TV and all the mental stimulus that we have. It's thousands and thousands of times more stimulating than it was 50 years ago. Now think back to 50,000 years ago because our brains have not evolved in 50,000 years. Yet the amount of mental stimulus that we're required to take in on a daily basis is catastrophically larger than it ever was even 10, 20, or 50 years ago. Our brain can't handle that much stimulation. So how do we give it the opportunity to relax and de-stress? Meditation. Give it a little bit of space. It's just like a battery. It just needs to recharge every now and then. And transcendental meditation or Vedic meditation, what I have found, if you're looking at this, let's call it this stress cup, right? Well, if you have this chronic stress that is built up over years, and maybe it's like a big pool of stress, it's like every time you do a, a Vedic meditation or a transcendental meditation or even a headspace meditation, you're not going to fix the chronic stress that you've built over years or decades. It's like taking a bucket and taking one big scoop out of this pool of stress. So you got to keep doing it, right? So every day and every day, there's more stress being added. So maybe there's one bucket being added. So you have to do it twice a day. So you take two buckets out. So that every day you're getting it lower and lower and lower. And over the course of months and years, you start to clean out all the chronic stress that's built up over the course of, of months and years as well, right? So meditation helps you clear out the stress that you've been building over the course of chronic, uh, chronic stress over years. Now, the third thing that I like to point out to people, which creates a lot of stress, uh, is uh, subconscious programming and alignment. So what's referred to as cognitive dissonance. So if you've ever studied the subconscious, you've ever studied uh, psychosomatics, cognitive dissonance is our brain when it says where we are and where we want to be. It creates this tension between point A and point B. It's like a rubber band being stretched, right? It's like a rubber band being stretched between where we are and where we want to be. And the same thing happens between, you know, what we think should happen and what we, what's actually happening in the world. This creates cognitive dissonance. Um, and most of the anxiety that we create is actually self-created. It's, it's from this belief that things should happen a certain way and they don't, or a worry that things won't happen the certain way that we want to, a looking into the future or a looking into the past, right? And because of that, it creates a lot of self-worth, subconscious issues, uh, and things like that. Most, most of our stress is fears. It's fears of things that will never happen to us. So there's a study that was done in Yale. And what they found, they, they studied the human brain, and they found, obviously, the human brain thinks about uh, something around 60,000 thoughts every single day. And what they found is 90 to 95% of those thoughts every single day are the same. The same thoughts as the day yesterday as the day before, as, as yesterday. And about 90% of them are worries. Now, here's the really interesting thing that they found when they studied this. So what they found when they studied these worries that we have, these thoughts that we have, they found that uh, of all of the worries that everybody had, about 79% uh, of the worries, 79% of the worries, or sorry, 85% of the worries, it was 85% of the worries that we have on a daily basis never happen. 85% of the worries that we have on a daily basis, our mind is five, five times more likely to be programmed by negative than positive. As evolutionary man, it's designed to keep us alive. We want to avoid you know, going down the wrong path to being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So our brain is five times more likely to be programmed by fear and negativity to keep us alive, to keep us safe. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but we don't really have to be worrying about being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger in the bathroom. Go check the bathroom, right? So you know, the truth is our brains are programmed to uh, avoid fear much, much stronger than anything. So we, our brain is programmed to think about negativity. And what they found was 85% of our thoughts, our worries that we have on a daily basis never happen. 
Now, here's the kicker. Of the 15% that it does happen, they found that 78% of the time, it actually wasn't that bad or it was even necessary for us to get to where we wanted to go. That means that 97% of the time that we're worrying about something, it's completely, uh, it's completely, uh, you know, unbased on anything factual and truthfully, 29 out of 30 times we should not be worrying, but we choose to anyways. And all of that comes from our subconscious programming and our subconscious fears. Now, we're only born, we're only born with two fears. Do you know what they are? One fear is the fear of loud noises. You know, as a baby, that makes sense. You don't, if you hear a, you know, a, a bear growling, you don't want to go towards the bear. And the second one is the fear of heights. And obviously, as a baby, you don't want to just accidentally crawl off a cliff. All the other fears that we have, all the other fears that we have are society created or self-created. And I'll give you an example, right? One of the biggest fear, fears that has been studied in human psychology is glossophobia, the fear of public speaking. The fear of public speaking is actually so bad that people fear public speaking more than they fear death. Why would that be? Well, as evolutionary man, if you think about it, uh, public shaming, right? Shame. Dr. David Hawkins uh, found that shame is the lowest energetic emotion that a human can feel, just above death, right? Now, shame as evolutionary man, if you think about it, if you were socially shamed and you were in a small tribe of 200, you know, or sorry, 200 people, you know, thousands of years ago, well, if you were socially outcast, that would actually mean you could probably die. But the truth is, now in today's society, like a little, you know, making a mistake and being publicly shamed is not, it's not going to cause you to die. But back then it actually would. But because of that, our brains are so strongly programmed around social shaming that it is actually, it, it triggers our hormones so strongly that it, we fear shame just as much as death. So anything that causes public shame, we create a fear that is so strong, it is similar to that of death. So anything around social shame actually creates a lot of anxiety for most people. So for example, glossophobia, getting, in getting up in front of a group of people, not knowing what to say, tripping up on your words and being laughed off stage, you'd be socially shamed and you would feel like you're dying. Think about to, you know, back when you were in middle school or high school, everybody has that situation where they remember they were publicly shamed somehow in way, some way, shape or form, right? And you'll still remember it because it was so powerfully ingrained in you. So learning how to release this subconscious programming of the fear of shame, the fear of, of caring about what other people think is one of the most powerful things that you can do to help release the, this anxiety. Now, this is, this is a lot of, uh, of what I do a lot with our clients. It's what I refer to as release work, psychosomatics, therapy, hypnosis. Uh, it's a deeper process to go into, but understand that you can actually solve this by going through those processes and releasing a lot of the fears and the anxieties that you have from a younger generation or younger younger version of you and the childhood traumas that you went through. So if you're just doing the day-to-day, -day, the breath work, the, the fear journaling, things like that, that's great to, to help short-term. If you're starting to do meditation, dig a little bit deeper, that's great. But the true way to actually permanently get rid of your anxieties and your worries, you're gonna have to go deep. You're gonna have to go deep into your subconscious programming Learn how to release a lot of the fears and the traumas that you had as a child. And that's going to be the only thing that allows you to get permanent release from your anxiety. Now, hopefully this was helpful for, for everybody. That's all we have for today's show. Uh, don't forget that knowledge without action yields nothing. So make sure you implement everything that you learn here with us today. And for all of our Shit You Don't Learn in College fans, don't forget to go to Amazon and grab your copy of the new number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book, available now. 
All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.